Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Canadian Investor. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host Braden Dennis. Uh, Braden, how's it going today? It's good, man. It is feeling like spring today. I don't know about up in Ottawa, but Toronto, it's like 10 above. I was riding my bike this morning. It just feels good, man. The sun, it feels great. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's similar weather, probably not 10, but I think it's a few degrees above uh, freezing. <laughs> it's probably like minus <laughs> 20 in Ottawa. Don't no, lie. No, no, not, uh, not even. It's actually really nice and sunny outside, so we'll probably go walk the dog a bit later. Um, so it should be a nice day. Nice. Uh, so I guess we'll get started uh, just to give people a bit of a breakdown what we'll talk today. So we'll start off with uh, talking about the coronavirus and what impacts it can come from in an investing perspective. Uh, before we get started, though, I wanted to mention we're not trying to make light of the situation. We understand it's ever evolving and we understand that a lot of people have been put in difficult situations because of that. So our thoughts go go out to them. But today we'll be really focused on the investing component. Um, so, Brayden, did you want to get started? Yeah, that's that is a good point, because this is affecting a lot of people, primarily in China, with 99% of cases being in in China. But that is a good point. A lot of families are being affected by this a lot. It's obviously uh, a horrible crisis over there. But from an investing perspective, we're going to talk about this, what this means for your portfolio, industries that are going to get affected by this. And I am so in the camp of like, just hold on to stocks for a long, long time. Don't worry about the market. Don't stress out about this stuff. But let's be serious. This is going to affect the economy when China is not making parts. You saw Apple change their guidance. They're saying that they basically can't manufacture phones right now. Uh, it makes sense. I used to work in automotive. I, I know the industry really well. And this is going to affect the global supply chain that is automotive. There's tier one, tier two, tier three suppliers, and you literally cannot make parts if a tier three supplier from China can't feed a tier two supplier that's in Germany that assembles a part in Detroit in North America. So it's like, let's be honest, this is going to actually create real business results. So we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, don't sell your portfolio. Like guys, seriously, these things happen all the time. There's always a reason to be not investing. And it's funny when you go on Yahoo Finance or whatever, um, Bloomberg, it just says, oh, market up or market down on coronavirus news. It's like always, that's just the headline, right? So it's really good for them to be able to sell news like this. So this is a gold mine for, for the CNBCs of the world. What is your take, uh, Simon? Uh, yeah, so definitely those, uh, like you just mentioned, those are companies that will be adversely impacted by the coronavirus. Um, yeah, it, it is sometimes I find a bit sensational. Um, I do also find that the data is evolving very quickly, so it's hard to wrap your head around what's going on and some of the consequences. But like you said, Apple came out, they revised their guidance and said they would be below expectation, at least on a short term basis. Um, so there's other types of companies that will be negatively impacted. Um, obviously, airlines, I think, is uh, one of them. Um, Air Canada is an example. Um, 
other types of businesses uh, we have travel companies so we were texting about that uh, cruises for example yeah uh, care yeah so carnival royal caribbean norwegian uh, those are all three that could be uh, it's all about the mindset right if people are too scared of traveling um what are obviously- just just to bring that to the point what a nightmare that is those people are trapped on that uh cruise in japan they're stuck in their rooms and they just don't know what's going on so i feel really bad for them man i literally could not think of anything worse than being confined to a cabin and more and more cases are coming out over 30 canadians on the ship have been tested positive with the coronavirus so that's that's bad man yeah and i think some of them uh, actually were just flown back maybe a couple of days ago at yeah Trenton. Mm-hmm. i think i think the u.s had a plane that went and picked people up i don't know I, I th- canada's plane was stuck in portugal as of yesterday so apparently there was a tweet by one of the ministers saying that they were going to be picked up and then he deleted the tweet like a, an hour later so it's pretty controversial, man, to be honest. Sorry to, sorry to derail you there, but uh, I feel horrible for these people, man. No, I definitely I agree with that. So it's it's definitely a hard situation. and But we have to remember, because of these things happening, I think it might scare a lot of people into traveling. Um, and therefore, the impact that it will have on those companies uh, indirectly as well, I would think an Expedia or Booking Holdings. So obviously, it, there's a bit less canadian companies because those are a bit more global companies uh listed in the u.s for the most part but air canada is a canadian company um another one we had talked about was uh, disney um so they also put some money aside for its team parks in uh in china um and i think they're still closed if i remember correctly and they're unsure exactly when they'll reopen so that's what the problem we're seeing too is companies are they're like kind of they're providing guidance but they are also like sounding just not sounding the alarm but more advising people that you know it's hard for them to even know how to provide accurate gardens at this point because they don't have much information and it's changing on a daily basis with travel like hysteria or not like if this is overblown or not it doesn't matter because fear itself is what's going to drive the financial markets um And in this case, fear itself is going to drive real business results. So that's where I find this kind of interesting, right? Where fear and hysteria often drive financial markets, but fear and hysteria in this case is going to actually affect these airline companies because if people are scared of flying, well, Air Canada doesn't have their seats full and that's not good, right? So yeah, bookings.com, all the travel, uh, all the cruises, sorry, like I could definitely see them getting rocked, especially when people are trapped in their cabins for weeks on end. It's like, hey, let's uh, fire up the group chat and say, uh, let's go on a cruise. Like that's a pretty hard sell right now. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. So, yeah, and they might be forced to just if they want to keep their cruises booked to some level, they might be forced to offer some huge discounts, which then obviously affects their profit margins and indirectly should affect the stocks as well. So those are definitely industries that could all um, have an impact. Another one is Starbucks. Um, So if people are not going out to grab a Starbucks, I know they have a big expansion plan in China, um, then it's definitely going to impact the results, especially where it's a coffee. So it's not like if you don't go to Starbucks for a month and you were a daily uh, customer, it's not like a month after when you start going outside again and your routine continues. It's not like you'll have 
you know, all the coffees that you didn't have in that past month. So they could be uh, affected a bit more. And I, I think as well, toy makers, I read something that uh, a lot of their supply chains are in China, so they're going to be effective. I think some of them are even delaying toys to 2021 new toys because they can't get them produced in time. And another one that we talked about was Tesla. So they have their factory in China. Um, but this, apparently could, that be, has, could this be the pin that pops? I, I'm okay with going on the record and saying it's a bubble. Like I, I straight yeah. up think it is a bubble. Um, do you think this could be the thing that finally brings Tesla back to life? <laughs> I would say I really don't know. That's my. I mean, it could. It could also. I shoot up. Like I, I'm not gonna even try to predict Tesla. It seems like people, especially retail investors, a lot of people believe in uh, Elon Musk, so not institutional investors. And uh, you're a yeah, smart I, man I, I by could, by not commenting yeah. because it going up more is probably the most realistic <laughs> result. Exactly. <laughs> And actually, I heard something interesting, or I, I think I read a couple of days ago, and they were saying that, uh, in their opinion, one big part of the mania with Tesla, and I, I think also Virgin Galactic, if you read about that one, yeah. is uh, retail investors not having those fees now in the U.S., so you can trade for free. Um, so I think some of them, there's not that little $5 disincentive to, you know, not go crazy so people trade for free so they get into those stocks and start speculating especially man we're into a long run bull market a lot of new investors are coming in and thinking that this is just simple stuff right i really hope he doesn't listen to the podcast because i was out for drinks with a guy yesterday and about to about to roast him he said to me he whispers to me this this company that he works at i'm not going to uh, disclose what it is he goes I think it's going up. They're about to they're about to split the stock. I go, okay. What does that mean? He goes, man. You know what happens when stocks split? They go up. I'm like, man. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> that's one on one, right? Like, obviously, stock splits don't mean anything. So, I think it's pretty funny. There is a lot of like new investors coming in. You bring up a good point. Uh, no fees in the U.S. That must be nice, man. We got to get that in Canada here. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, if that's like, I'm not sure if it, that, it has that big of an impact, but at the same time, if it's creating this mania, um, I mean, it could be a bit worrying for certain stocks. So anyways, it's not, uh, we're not trying to make anyone panic here, but it's a bit crazy just to watch those companies go. Um, so companies that could be positively impacted. Uh, so one of them, I actually know this one uh, quite well, so we'll probably spend a bit more time on it right now. It's uh, Teladoc Health. Um, so Teladoc is a very interesting company. It's part of my portfolio, so it's part of the more growth component. Uh, I allow about 15% of my portfolio in that. It's a company I bought uh, three years ago now, and it's been my best performing holding uh, up to date. It is losing money still. However, they're getting uh, close and closer to being cash flow positive. Their earnings are coming out this upcoming week, uh, so the week of uh, February 24th. So it'll be interesting how it goes. But uh, to give you guys an idea, past five years, um, they've had 79% growth in sell from 2014 to 2015. 
percent from 2015 to 2016, 89 from 2016 to 2017, and 80 percent from 2018. Um, sorry, from 2017 to 2018. So they've really had strong growth. Um, it's a company I think will most likely have some tailwinds from the coronavirus because uh, telehealth is you can see your doctor on your phone essentially. Um, so it's still a very small an industry that's going very rapidly. Teldocs has been around for, I think, 10 years, if not more. They've been publicly listed for about five. And it gives you the ability, especially if you have a flu or something like a coronavirus, um, it gives you the ability to see a doctor, even if you were to self-quarantine and get some treatment, obviously, over the phone. I know they also have a mental health uh, division. It's also great for rural areas, so smaller cities where people may not have access to a doctor um, without driving like one, two, three hours. Um, so... It, it's a really interesting industry. Um, it is growing rapidly. Again, it, it is losing money. I'm not saying that uh, it's not highly valued. Uh, it is trading for quite a multiple, but that is it like eight eight billion in market play. cap, if I remember correctly. Is that is that right? Yeah, I think eight. Yeah, I think eight or nine billion. But management has been really good, and they've been gre- growing a mix of. Uh, organically and by acquisitions as well so they have presence in the states in canada in europe as well so they're really emerging as the the, the market leader for that man this 80 percent revenue growth consistently is insane they're not generating any real cash so it's a little early for me but i could see why you have a position here this is a really really good business model to be honest like it's really smart i always thought when i was a kid if i have the flu why am I going to go get everyone sick? So this makes a lot of sense, right? Like you can see a doctor remotely, talk to them. This is this is just really genius, to be honest. So I've actually seen that some uh, corporations also are are signing up for this for their employees, so that if they're sick, they can talk to doctors, you know, while while they're at home. This is really, really smart. So if they can mix in that B2B business as well, I could see this really taking off. It is a little early for me, but uh, I can see why you've done well on it. 80% revenue growth for like five years consistently in a row. Really nice margins. Yeah, I think uh, they could be profitable soon too. It looks like they're trending towards potentially generating real profits in the next year or two. So that's really exciting. Yeah, exactly. And they have two main lines of business. So like you said, they'll uh, get insurance carriers to sign up. So pay them a fee for the amount of people and essentially people can use them as required. Uh, The other source of revenue is kind of pay as you go. So for for a session you pay. And it's also great for physicians because it's much more efficient for them to do those than actually being in an office and then waiting for the person. And they can actually, you know, view a patient in between patients for uh, while they're in their medical offices so it's really great there's also some barriers to entry because it's highly regulated whether you're talking about the states canada um so it's highly regulated that's why it's an industry that has taken some time there's a technology component but also a regulation component so that's why it's been uh taking a bit more time than i think people expected to to gain popularity so you've done insanely well on this let's touch back on a topic we talked about last week Are you interested in trimming the position or are you just going to let this baby ride? 
Um, so I have trimmed a little bit. Boo. Uh, not much, I'm just so. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the main reason is it's a bit different than Brookfield for me is where it's still a high growth company, but they're not profitable yet. So the risk is higher. Um, they're very highly valued. Um, so I've basically recouped my investment and and then I'm just letting it ride. It's uh, it was starting to be a pretty big part of my portfolios, um, given that I, don't I can imagine it's done so well. Yeah, exactly. So it was it represents the biggest part of my growth portion of my portfolio. Yeah. Um, so other companies uh, that could get a tailwind. So obviously pharmaceutical companies such as Johnson and Johnson. Um, I know they're working on a vaccine. There's other ones that are working on vaccines. Um, E-commerce could be a big tailwind if people are afraid of going uh, shopping outside. I know in China, JD.com uh, could potentially get a, a tailwind, Alibaba as well. Uh, depends if it applies their supply chain or not. So that's also an impact, but they could kind of even themselves out or potentially be a tailwind. Yeah, those are all really good points. I have heard that the coronavirus can live on surfaces for up to 12 days. So I wonder if it's going to have any real impact for e-commerce, you know, globally. I don't see that being a huge fear. Like I haven't heard much about it, but that's pretty insane. So it gives you an idea of how, like what kind of legs this virus actually has if it can survive on surfaces for that long that's really scary combined with its like week-long incubation period this thing could really really take off and and stun china in a big big way so i'm never a pessimist in financial markets like straight up like i am always the the, the positive guy but this could really cripple china's economy so i'm wondering when they're going to be getting back to work manufacturing is just at a complete standstill and i mean it's got to be pretty grim I mean, you've seen videos of of the cities are just completely locked down you got to wonder how accurate the numbers coming out of china really are you really got to wonder and at the same time I, I don't truly believe that they're censoring it in a way that you know north americans think that it might they might be i think that it's just really hard to quantify when they're biggest priority is getting people healthy rather than collecting, you know, good metrics to report to the rest of the world. So I think the data, like we got to cut them some slack, like it would be really hard to actually give a solid number. You saw that, did you see the video of that? Uh, they did a time lapse of those two hospitals that are beside each other that went up in like legit a day. It was insane. No, like didn't. it was so insane. I don't know how they did this, but they're building hospitals in legit like a few days, like start to finish. It's really, really incredible. So honestly, I got to give them props for you know taking this really seriously because it will make a material difference in their economy. Yeah, exactly. And they've already, I think, revised their economic uh, growth uh, downwards, uh, which tells you something for, for China as well. Um, I personally think they're they're being as transparent as they can. I know in the past, like they're very famous for uh, censoring um, uh, people in China. And I know at the beginning, the uh, doctor that was calling out uh, seemed like he was censored as well. But at this point, I also, the Chinese people are very proud people. Um, and I do not think they want to be blamed for a potential world, world epidemic, you know, 
10, 15, 20 years from now historically. So I think that's driving a pretty big factor. Uh, which is fair, in terms of which is fair. Like I yeah. get it, I do, mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, and the World Health Organization has said that so far, to them, it seems like China is trying to be as, like, they have no reason to think that they're not being as transparent as they can at this point. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Simon, you are a shareholder in Carnival Cruises. What do you do? (laughs) I'm really putting you on the spot here. No, I mean, it's a a good question. I think the worst is probably um, for that those that specific company. I think the worst is probably to come. Um, I would probably, honestly, I would probably sell my position and find better places to to put my money in. It's also a very cyclical type of uh, business too, so it'll go with the economy, and then you have that on top of it. Um, we again, we'd start for us to know it's still the beginning, but uh, because there's so much uncertainty and fear i think it's a big big reason i'd probably go ahead and sell it and invest it in companies i'm i'm more confident in going forward. yeah that is a good point because uncertainty is the name of this game like no one truly knows if anyone was to say for sure what was happening with this outbreak they'd be lying to you so companies don't know epidemiologists around the world don't know they're just tracking this thing and trying to get a, a better handle on it. Who knows? It could be like a SARS where it just kind of goes away. Um, not an epidemiologist by any stretch, but I basically failed first year biology. But SARS kind of just died out. Like it just it just didn't have legs. So maybe that's what happens with this, hopefully. Um, but you got to wonder. You really do got to wonder. Yeah, exactly. So now we'll switch to companies that will probably not be impacted uh, too much by the coronavirus. Um, And these companies, they might actually get a tailwind in terms of valuation because they might be uh, a bit perceived as a safe haven for some investors. But in terms of their actual business, I wouldn't see them being majorly impacted. So uh, we have telecoms. I don't think they should see much of an impact. So Bell, Shock. Shaw Communications, Rogers, uh, TELUS, uh, the big telecoms in Canada, um, REITs. Uh, so some examples, so REITs Real Estate Investment Trust for our newer listeners. Um, so those are basically companies that own real estate, different type of real estate, um, depending on the company. Some are more diversified. Uh, some examples, so there's Canadian apartment property REITs. So people are not going to vacate their apartment if there is a coronavirus. So it should have pretty stable cash flow. I know Braden owns Allied Properties uh, REIT as well, so I don't think same thing. Uh, they own more com- commercial, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they uh, own some of the best property in Toronto. It's office, commercial space. So yeah, prime example of something that I do not see being affected. A lot of these really stable cash flow businesses, you don't see them getting affected. Another company that scores really high on my ranking model for my Stratosphere Premium subscribers is Algonquin Power. This thing went up on Friday when everything else went down. So you're starting to see some cash flows move into these more reliable utility types. So I would see them performing much better during a downturn. Obviously, as expected, that's kind of why people hold on to those yield codes. 
as well as for the the growth and the income. So, I mean, it could be a good place to be, but you might see them start to get a little a little rich in valuation. So, I really hope this thing blows over, but. In the meantime, it would be nice if stocks became a little bit more attractively priced in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't know if it's the start of something. So we're recording this uh, Saturday. So yesterday there was, I think the markets were down. The U.S. market's about 1%. Canadian uh, TSX, what, about like 0.6%. Uh, so around there. So I don't know if it's the start of something. Um, it's been really weird since ever this been the it's been found out for the coronavirus because there's been companies coming out like we mentioned just mentioned apple disney um some very big companies just coming out saying look we we have to revise our guidance we've put some money aside and even say like we actually we're just kind of giving guesstimates at this point because we don't know where this is going to evolve but yet the stocks have just been crushing it since the the start of that i think the past week was one of the first weeks of the year where it was a negative week um so it it'll be interesting to see where it goes of course for us i think we've mentioned it before we're looking to find really good companies at bar not bargain prices but fair prices um so that might you know if this continues a little bit it might create a, a lot of opportunity especially for those who have cash on the side yeah like this sounds like the most pessimistic uh, episode on the Canadian investor of all time. But uh, let's be serious. The market has been chugging along for the most part, uh, despite the recency bias of the end of the week that we just finished, uh, you know, starting to turn the other way. But this is just a blip. Overall, the market has done really, really well since the beginning of 2020. So hopefully it keeps coming up. But uh, at the same time, I'd like to see some some sales. So there's a lot of companies that are on my radar right now that are just fantastic business models. I think we've talked offline that I think Visa is like the best company in the world. Like if you could just own Visa and MasterCard and just, you know, re retire, just to sleep on those forever. Um, I do find it funny. I look, I'm looking at, at you on the video right now. We're both wearing some Lululemon, so maybe we should invest in the stock. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually, it's not, it's not Lululemon. It's a similar, it, no, I know it looks, it exactly looks, it's the got same. the lines on the top. <laughs> They, they yeah i got it that's um i think it's nordstrom's oh, brand that uh kind of okay interesting yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but i do have lots of yeah i know i know you do so simon what is the tip of the day today okay so a bit to what we just talked about so our tip of the day is um shop around if ever you want to keep a small portion of your portfolio in cash or if you have an emergency fund so in terms of savings account uh, oftentimes the big banks will give you like pennies on the dollar for interest rates so they'll give you 0.5 percent uh, if you're lucky if you'll see one percent in a savings account whereas if you look at different uh, i think right now the top rate that i found was laurentian bank uh, almost three percent lbc yeah yeah, exactly. And that's not a promotional rate. So it's actually their their rate, you know, it might change from time to time, but it's not like a promotional rate for three months or something. And uh, they're CDIC insured, so Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation. So th what that means is it's it's backed by the federal government. And that's a really the thing you want to look at when people, uh, when you choose a savings account, uh, because there might be some 
shadier places out there. Uh, I'm personally with Motive Financial. They offer 2.8% interest rate. I think you said EQ Bank. Yeah, EQ um, Bank just bumped theirs yeah. up two weeks ago to 2.45, I think. It's not the highest, but I their interface is really nice. It connects with their bank really well. So there's a lot in the space of around two and a half to three. Like those are, those are definitely the highest ones on the market. And this is a really good idea because everyone should have obviously a cash account that they have an emergency fund. If they're saving for a down payment for real estate, I'm trying to think of other examples. If you're saving cash, you may as well throw it into these things because it's so liquid. It's just like any other bank account. It might be easy to just, you know, okay, I'm going to keep it in my checkings, you know, a couple hundred K in a checkings account. Just, just don't do that. You, you can get uh, you can get at least inflation with some of these uh, high interest savings accounts. So this is a really good idea. I I agree. This is this is a great tip, Simon. Yeah, and it's really important. I know it can be a little extra work, and it's much easier to just keep it with your bank if you're with one of the big banks. But at the same time, it's your money. So do you want them to collect the the interest on the money you have in your accounts and not giving you much in return, or do you want to collect something that'll actually keep up with inflation? Um, and again, we're not saying like obviously stay invested. We're not saying to sell your stocks or anything like that. But if you do keep some cash on the side for whatever reason shop around and it's in it's in your best interest that's a good idea yeah this episode talk about uh the grim coronavirus and you know all the pessimism in the market and then we talk about high interest savings accounts (laughs) everyone's gonna be liquidating going to cash soon no guys seriously stay invested collect those dividends ride it out this is a long-term game think about all the times financial markets were you know not the most positive and think about where it is now, right? They always think, oh, it's at it's at historic highs. In the 60s, it was at historic highs at one point. That's how this works. So just like I say with 52-week highs, higher high highs on a stock usually mean higher highs because the business is doing well, executing well. I do think that this coronavirus is going to have serious impact to several businesses, uh, primarily anything that's manufacturing in China is going to be affected. There's just no way around it. Airlines, travel companies, vacations, these businesses are going to be affected. Even if it's driven by fear, if people are scared and they're not flying, that is going to affect real business results for these companies. So it is something to keep in mind. I'm seeing a lot of cash flows go into these you know, safer cash flow producing businesses. So That's why you have a diversified portfolio and you have those pieces in your portfolio so that when these kinds of things happen, you're still getting that nice yield and great, great tip on the, uh, the high interest savings account, because compared to a bond, like how similar are those yields from 3% to what you can get with a T-bill? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, for a treasury bill, I think it's probably higher than a treasury bill. I'll be honest. I haven't checked recently. Uh, it's, It'll be lower than uh, John yeah. Bond, that's for sure. But then you have high risk. So, yeah, if it's backed by the Canadian government, it's a great option. Um, and it's super liquid. So there's really, if you shop around, you know, it's that's what we want to help everyone out is just taking control of your finances. And that's another aspect of it. With that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. 
This is the Canadian investor. Go to getstockmarket.com. If you scroll down to the bottom, you can submit questions. We've been getting lots of good requests. We're not going to cover one this episode, but Simon, I think we got to do a mailbag episode because we have uh, a bunch of companies that people want to want to hear about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we are. I think it's a great idea to do a mailbag episode. Um, it might take us a little bit of time because some of the requests we get, we're not very familiar with the company, so we'll need to do some research. So we want to like provide some good content to you guys, not uh, you know, not just look at their financial statement without really knowing what. The, it's the nice though. There's been some deep picks that people have requested. I'm like, oh, this is a thing. You know, <laughs> like this is a business I didn't even know about. So I love that. That's really cool. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable investing resources, go to GetStockMarket.com.